Hi, welcome to Black Imagination, where Antoine and I open up our Black space to our Black and Brown friends doing dope things in Milwaukee's arts and culture scene. So go get out your sage sticks, light some incense, and join the conversation. Black Imagination is a part of the Imagine MKE podcast network. Be sure to follow us at Imagine MKE on all your favorite social media platforms and subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And now, here's the show. Right now on the Black Imagination podcast, we have Rejinho Boyne, <laughs> also known as Ray Nitty. Hey, what's happening, man? Rejinho, it was close. You got Rejinho. it close. We was in a ballpark. Rejinho Alejandro Boings, if you if you really know me. Well, now we really know you. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, y'all got me on here with a tiger and a general. This is a special moment. <sighs> special, special moment in our yes. history yes. going on right here. I and was just <laughs> hoping we could get through the show and that didn't come up. We got to start the show like I mean, that. The thing is, I don't have to talk about being from King because I think people just recognize greatness when it shows up, right? So I don't have to no. announce that. So I got a, I got a question. Mm -hmm. The last time we talked, Ray was out. First of all, Ray, I see you shining with the curls, Alejandro. Yeah, I, I see the no, curls. No, you understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I see you, boo. Um, so the last time we talked, it was your wife's birthday, and you were buying out. a ring, buying jewelry. So how does she like it? She loved it. Uh, I was gonna, I got her some uh, yellow diamond earrings from Pax Jewelers. Shouts out to Gino at Pax. Uh, she liked it, man. Um, we had planned a surprise birthday party for her, so that was extremely stressful trying to figure out. Uh, some of the finest lies I could come up with to, uh, <laughs> to, to keep her throat <laughs> off. <laughs> and also to stay safe. Yes. Because this is just a crazy time, like, to be trying to connect. I'm sorry. Ray's curls are just really distracting me because they are they look so perfect. Oh, it's, sponge. Um, it's the sponge and the, it's, and the whip of the wrist. This, these corn curls. <laughs> Yeah, you, you know what's crazy? What's crazy is uh, Ray and I went to high school together, and I just think about the haircuts we had <laughs> and how none of this stuff was invented. None of the swag now was invented when we was younger. And, I want to know oh, who invented this sponge that Ray is using. This sponge that black boys, black men all over the country, when y'all use it, Y'all curls just be activated. I want to know who that dude is because I need to cash app him. That is a, I need a great question because I do not know. This uh, new device is uh, foreign to me. So I'm just um, learning this new technology here. <laughs> yeah, it literally looks like a sponge yeah. that you wash cars with. Yeah. And that and that is why. That you get the deep clean with. That you get the deep car wash clean yeah. and i'm just like you know a black guy has something to do with that right you you, you just know nah, you'd be surprised <laughs> so we got ray in the studio on our podcast with us today our first official guest so hey. we super excited to have you you're doing some incredible things right now and we're gonna jump all into that but i think we should probably go back to like where it began which 
is actually organizing with Urban Underground. Yeah. So was there ever a time where you thought you might um, get into politics, maybe go to David Bowen route, David Crowley route? Uh, no, never thought I wanted to, to be that route. I always wanted to um, have the influence in um, getting people elected and putting people in positions of power to um, to be able to make uh, policy changes and things of that nature. Um, I just feel like I like my freedom as a creative and an artist and like as a politician, I would have to watch what I say <laughs> a lot. And um, I like all my freedom of speech and I don't have to play uh, politically correct games. Not saying that that's what uh, Crowley and Bowen does, but I know they have to move a certain way. And um, my artistry freedom allows me to not have to move as um, uh, on eggshells as they would have to. So when did you, when did you first get involved with Urban Underground? Um, I got involved with Urban Underground. It had to be like 2001, 2002, my senior year at Riverside University High School for the college bound. Um, we also, uh, like Reggie Moore was doing a, a, a training at our, in our African-American um, history classes that I was taught by Mr. Wow. Shouts out to Mr. Wow. Shout, shout out. We had that class together. Yes, sir. Shouts out to Mr. Wild, man. And uh, Reggie came in and uh, I really wasn't, I wasn't trying to join, to be honest with you. But then when it was time to leave, like I was trying to sneak out and Reggie was like, oh man, did you fill out the application? And I was like, oh, damn. Right. So, I filled, <laughs> so I filled it out. <laughs> so I filled it out and I ended up going, man. And it was uh, probably one of the most important um teenage decisions that i felt like i've made with my life mr wild mr wild is an og like if if people in milwaukee who went to riverside a lot of people who are doing good work have been taught by mr thomas wild so mm -hmm. that's a that's an og plug we appreciate og plugs though that's that's great so when you when you came out of let's say urban underground transitioning from there, where did the how did music come about? Were you writing? Had you been writing like um, and and performing and rapping like during that whole time, or did it start off as poetry and then you moved into rap? Yeah, so for me, um, I really I started always like freestyling, but back in um, the islands, uh, uh, it was it's called chanting. Uh, we call freestyling chanting back there. But it's just like Caribbean freestyling, basically. I uh, wasn't necessarily too good at it. Got to Milwaukee, um, got started freestyling at Riverside with uh, a bunch of other artists like Twan, yeah. and, uh, yeah. Twan Hicks that was um, yeah. uh, at uh, Riverside as well. A um, bunch of other artists that was there. Tank, rest in peace, Tank. R.I.P. Bunch of uh, cats from Riverside, man. That's just lunchroom freestyling, right? And then uh, just um, through Urban Underground, uh, I had met Muhib Dyer and Kwabinah Nixon. And what they had uh, taught me um, was that um, I could express myself and some of the struggles that 
I was dealing with or going through or holding in as a teenager. You know, it's like, oh, you don't got to tell people your business if you don't feel like talking about it, write it down. That's another form of uh, getting it out of your system and like trying to move past whatever that hurt or whatever that pain is that uh, we hold in. And, you know, for me, that was just um, important because like I didn't necessarily have uh, a great relationship with my father and things of that nature. And, you know, when we moved to Milwaukee, it was through some like very um, uh, unfortunate circumstances. So I kind of started out writing poetry because uh, they had did a poem that was called The Children Are Crying. And, uh, you know, that poem kind of like, it really had uh, touched me because like I started crying and all of that, man. I was like, damn, I'm in here crying. There's girls in here. I'm trying to <laughs> <holler> at. <laughs> like, I'm in here wet faced. <laughs> Still <laughs> But was it the Jordan cry? Was it the Jordan cry? Man, it might have been the um who got the ugliest cry. It might have been um Oh, that one meme where the dude be like ah! <laughs> Yeah, it might have been like one of those, uh it might have been one of those cries, but you know, I started off uh just writing it out writing it out at poetry and uh as poetry evolved, I wanted to, you know, make music and started putting poems to beats. Um, and as poems turned into words to beats, like I started recording it more, started taking it more serious in college. And then um, from there, it was like, all right, I wanna be able to make money <laughs> off of music, right? I wanna make money off of this because I'm on my way out of Concordia because these grades is just not uh, agreeing with me. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason yeah we just couldn't get on the same page me and the grades but you know um start taking it more seriously uh and then 2009 is when um i caught a break with um bow and was able to transition that into other things let's talk about bow let's talk about bow hit I was I was managing artists and I'm not gonna lie Ray you my boy I hate on you all the time about <laughs> um Riverside but you know like I'm ride or die but I was a hater when Bob came out I was like this is like this isn't even Ray like this isn't even what Ray does like what what is this what is this and when I talked to um somebody else who was a barrio camp he was like yeah man this is really like this was kind of like a joke record. Like we just kind of put it together and we're actually kind of surprised yeah. about what's happening with it. And I'm like, how could that not be with, with skateboard grind? Like, what am I missing? Like, wait, 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 <laughs> I can, I can say something. Cause so Ray went to high school with me and the energy around bow is very consistent with the freestyles he was doing at the lunch table at Riverside, like, like when I heard Bow the first time, like I was like, "Oh yeah, that is that is Ray dancing in the <laughs> dancing <laughs> in the in the park at the football games." You know what I'm saying? After a win, yeah. Which and it's still for me like a lot of people talk about like hit Milwaukee records, and I may be biased because of the Riverside, but like. It's it's my favorite. Like, there's some there's some baby Drew out there. There's some cuckoo cow. 
and, and Bow is right up there for me. I appreciate that, man. This became a national hit, though. Like it this did. wasn't. It did. This wasn't just Milwaukee. This became bigger than big. Yeah, it, it, we 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 were blessed. We got blessed. I was able to to touch a few different coasts and different regions, and um. Uh, I will attest to what you said. It, it was like, a, okay, let's try this out, right? Let's make these dance records, whatever. That was like something different for me. But, and it was like, we were surprised. But I, I will say that like a lot of time was spent trying to catch up to the record. <laughs> um, we legit like was thrust into a wave that was like rapidly just going places and like i'm like 23 24 25 at the time and i'm like yo i'm really getting booked for shows and places outside of milwaukee and i don't have to pay to perform <laughs> so it's like just that transition was like a lot and like knowing that okay um what i wasn't prepared for back then is how uh, I choose to move forward in the future. Was there a point at the height of it where you kind of got lost in it or were, again, starting to have these questions about what is next after bio? Did you, were there moments where, I don't know, where you just, where you just got lost in it? Yeah, I think, um, I definitely could say I had got lost in it because like I said, um, you know, we made the record, made the record and then, tapped in with my relationship with the DJs. And then from Milwaukee, we went to uh, Atlanta for the core DJ retreat. And then from the core DJ retreat, uh, P Money took it to North Carolina. Uh, Miss Hollywood, uh, Marquita, she took it to Virginia. Finesse and T. Lewis took it down to Mississippi. And it was just spreading like so fast. So like, yeah, it is uh, like, I did get like, lost in it and like kind of like allowed myself to be stuck in a box um because after bow i made uh i made a record called uh you nasty i'll use a clean version of um <laughs> of, <laughs> oh i remembered the song and i was like oh that's not that's not that's not the language i use but i'm on the clock at my real job yeah that's why i, I use the um edited uh version of the song title but you know it was like all right this thing worked right and it was like damn we got to keep this thing going right so it's like how do you keep this thing going like for me the only thing logically in my mind was like try to create something else just like it but even more raunchy we gotta get <laughs> we gotta go up top now and just go crazy with it and that's what we did and that was like a gift and a curse because like people love the record, but then it was like, all right, this is what was expected. And like, I kind of conformed to expectations of others, right? But um, as I grew, it was, I realized how difficult it was to pull myself out of that box that I allowed people to um, put myself in. So that's why I took a, 
a nice hiatus from music. Um, a lot of the music people saw me drop in, like Lights Down Low, all of those in-between records. Those was just like survival records, me trying to get back to myself, me really trying to feel alive again, fall in love with uh, making music and start making music that I wanted to make again. So that's what a lot of those records was, the Mind of an Aries project, the um, A Few Tunes project. So you hear a lot of my culture in um, these uh, records and things of that nature. I just wanted to take it back to the St. Thomas Virgin Islands and uh, the British Virgin Islands. So that was kind of like my, my journey in a nutshell, my struggle in a nutshell with uh, being stuck in the moment. Uh, that is some, like, I'm really glad you shared that. It also made me think, um, business-wise, mm -hmm. were you... You said that you had to catch up to the momentum of the record. Um, Business-wise, were you were you behind in sort of how to monetize that song, or do you feel like you you milked all that you could from that moment monetarily? No, most definitely, we definitely did not. Um capitalize 100% on how we could have monetized it, right? Um, easiest example is Bow was on V100 maybe a good six months. Uh, Kiss FM had started playing it. And like, I still had yet to independently um, upload it to iTunes, right? So now I'm learning how to upload my own music and I upload it and I forget about it. Now, I, I would say I probably missed a good year of like Bow coming out and buzzing and people not being able to find it other than what was on YouTube at the time or if uh, the radio station was playing it. So once I finally uploaded it and started to go and track my analytics and read in the comments, then you start seeing like, First, I saw the, the bread that was just sitting there because I had forgot I uploaded the record. So I was seeing how much was in. I was like, damn, this is what I've been missing, on, missing out of? So I'm checking my analytics. I'm seeing the comments. I'm like, oh, man, I've been looking for this song for over five months, and now I can finally uh, check it out. So I'm like, damn, okay. I know I missed some opportunities with um, being late to um, <clears throat> getting it to the distribution platforms. But I also know that Bow came out in an era where uh, we legit had to like grind our shit out. It wasn't like uh, as as available on social media nowadays, right? So like, I try to always put things in the context for people. Like when Bow came out, it was just Facebook. Like Twitter legit had just started. <laughs> Instagram wasn't a thing. <laughs> Vine didn't exist all of these different platforms that allow people to share music so rapidly and spread music so rapidly. And the dance phase that the dance craze that was going on, like, like we damn near was doing TikTok before TikTok was TikToking. Like, but people were just uploading the videos of themselves directly to YouTube. So like if you YouTube Ray Nitty Bow, you'll see a bunch of videos of people just dancing, doing the, the um the 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 shoulder whatever the whatever people want to call the dance right, but 
imagine, I always be like, imagine if it came out in 2019 and 2020, where everything is social media, everybody is sharing videos, everybody has the ability to record themselves, right? And think about when people was recording themselves back then, uploading it to YouTube. It wasn't really, iPhones wasn't just glazing like they are right now. Like people didn't just have a means of like, people didn't have a means to just really easily upload content like that. And I say that just to say like, go back and look at some of the content that you uploaded from 2009 and look at the quality of it and remember like how, what did you have to do to really upload that content? You know, that brings us to um, our next question, which to me seems like a good, a good bridge to like kind of show where you've come from. You mentioned that, you know, you were putting out these other projects to really just survive and get back to mm -hmm. the essence of you. Um, you're a part of the Milwaukee Strong campaign. And I have to say, listening to uh, your verse um i was like oh this black black like i felt like um milwaukee strong like black coffee yeah milwaukee black and brown so please change policy yeah milwaukee less work or end in poverty Mm. Milwaukee growing, let's make sure that we grow it properly, yeah. Milwaukee home, so let our love show. Mm. Milwaukee special, invest in the homegrown. Talent, we all searching for balance, united the good lands, approaching all of our challenges. Well, first of all, shouts out for them for asking me to be a part of it. Uh, they needed uh, me to come and help them uh, fill the last verse out. And, you know, I listened to it, and it was, it was a cool record, and I was just like, all right, this is Milwaukee strong. It's, and you know, maybe that's why they asked me to be here to give some of that representation that was needed. So I felt like I couldn't water it down. I felt like I couldn't, like, not in these times, I couldn't be politically correct. And I, I would have rather them, like, I'd have rather risk them just be like, oh, this is too, this is too much uh, and we can't use the verse, but they didn't, they let it ride. I was like, oh, okay, change. I mean, not only not only the verse, right? But we also filmed at a, a spot that's very special to you and we'll talk about that in a moment. But I think it's really interesting. I would even just say for the three of us, right? Like being at this in this space, being at pretty much at the same age, having um, having amassed all of the things that we are building um, as professionals, but now being in this space where we can have a podcast called Black Imagination, mm -hmm. where we are super clear about mm -hmm. what this is. Mm -hmm. And for you to be able to do a verse the way you did, like this idea, this identity of like, we are Black. Yeah. Like full stop. And to like, so like, that transition and really us kind of taking that permission to say, no, this is how we are. And this is how we show up every day. You got to do with it. And that's all it was. Right. And it was like, it's not like I was trying to be difficult when I was like, oh, um, uh, I'm not against the locations that was uh, suggested for the shoot, but I just felt like, all right, if it's Milwaukee strong, let's, let's come to this side of town and really um, include it then. So we could, we could really, 
not only represented on represented on the track, but also in the visuals as well. So I was like, so, yeah. the north side. So where did you go? Okay, to the community within the corridor. <laughs> wow. Wisconsin's largest affordable <laughs> affordable housing project that is privately owned by <laughs> three African American black boys. It's our $60 million boy right here. Uh, Shouts out to my team, man. My brothers, uh, QL Amin, Michael Wesley, another Riverside. Another Riverside boy. Another Riverside boy. Another Tiger. You know, so uh, shouts out to the team, man. It was a long four-year process, but we're here. And uh, actually, we just feel like we're just beginning all the work. So I want to talk a little bit about the the corridor. Mm Um, and the the creative space that you're creating and where it's at and all that. But I, as the as the boy that I met in pre college, mm-hmm. <laughs> right at UWM, yep. when you came to Milwaukee. Also, shout out to the 2002 Riverside football team because y'all had some stars. Yep. Yes, like yes. that. I'll give you. R.I.P. my brother Sean. Yes, R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, and so thinking about you coming to Milwaukee, did you ever think this, was this ever in your mind that this could be not just bow, but now you like in the real estate game in like a major, major way and redeveloping, um, a part of the city that needs so much love right now because folks forgot about it and, and being a black man and being able to be in that community and say, this is ours and this is what we're doing. Did you think it was possible? I would always say yes. I always think things are possible. That's just how I'm, I'm wired. I'm always like against the grain. Uh, what I wasn't sure of is how long or how treacherous or how trying the journey would be. I knew it wasn't going to be easy for sure. But um, I also knew that I was navigating uh, foreign land. and um, uh, really, you know, getting adjusted, uh, getting uh, accustomed to how things operate here, because uh, there, there is a, a system <laughs> in place, whether we choose to believe it or not. Milwaukee is very traditional on how it operates and how things run. But um, for me, it was just about um, like I was able to create some sort of buzz or energy right with music and I knew I was never just I always was inspired by like Jay-Z right always respected his business moves whatever it was always studied his hustles things of that nature and he always talked about one owning your masters and things of that nature but also owning other things and rebuilding your community and things of that nature buying back your block things of that nature so I always had the the, the this vision in my mind, like, oh, I was going to be this multi-billion dollar rapper and I was going to buy real estate and properties and things of that nature, right? That was always the vision. But as we um, grow, as we encounter and we touch different lands and spaces, we start to, um, we start to uh, define that purpose and that vision a little bit more, right? So as I came to Milwaukee, I realized what was missing, what the struggles was for me as an artist. And I was like, okay, you know what? 
all these struggles that I had to go through to obtain this level of success in the city. I want to create space. I want to create platforms. I want to cultivate resources for artists to where we have a, a space we could tap into and not feel like, okay, this city is always turning a blind eye on its creative talent. But now we have um, our own space and we're cultivating our own resources and we have over 50,000 square feet in creative space where not only visual artists, but graphic artists, fashion design artists, film industry, music industry, all our creative industries can thrive and tap into in the city of Milwaukee. And it's $60 million invested right on 32nd and Center Street. And it will have $113 million economical impact on the area. Oh man, that is, that is very important. And it's nothing to uh, to shy away from. That's a, a lot of responsibility you guys are pushing through and knocking out. One last question before we go. Who are some of your favorite Milwaukee artists? And that could be rappers, that could be visual artists, that could be beat makers. Um, huh, some of my favorite Milwaukee artists. I really, um, I really rock with... Uh, I like Looney Baby. I like what what he brings to the table. He very consistent. Um, I rock with Munch Lauren a lot. I like what he's doing. He kind of see like my younger self in Munch Lauren. So I get to vicariously live through his ratchetness. <laughs> you feel me? So uh, I also like um I like what Risa Fam is doing. Uh, Alicia Nicole is always dope. Um, MT Twins. Um, who else am I really, really rocking with from the city? Um, obviously, Beatmakers, uh, Business Boy, Penny, like super talented individuals. Um, Oh, you know who I really like though? Big C. Big C from uh from Milwaukee. He pretty dope too. I like Big C joints. And then uh Young Great. It's a young homie named Young Great. He's super dope. It's a bunch of artists, man. I think um uh, Milwaukee is at this dope spot, man, where like I remember where you couldn't really name that many artists from Milwaukee that people were really supporting at the same time in the same month yeah. in the same week. <laughs> but like Milwaukee was very funny, man. But to see it uh, at a point now where you could legit have a three hour <laughs> club set and not have to play anything but Milwaukee music and the dance floor will stay lit. Obviously it's a younger generation that is, uh, uh, taking it in like that, but I think it's um and not just a younger generation because I I'm a, I just ain't gonna be out there for three hours on the dance floor, but it's just good to see that we have a space now and a, a market now that uh, our local talent is um our homegrown talent. I'm removing the word local. Our homegrown talent is being well received by not only the consumers here but by the organization. Um. Oh, I got to shout out Jade, man. Shout out Jade Sharam, one of my favorite dancers. She's actually opening a dance space in the creative corridor. So I'll be doing a, a disjustice by not shamelessly plugging the activities that will be going on in the creative corridor. So that means I also got to shout out Latasha Smith, who will be doing art therapy in the creative corridor, uh, providing that for kids and families as well. 
and um, Kimberly. Kimberly will be doing fashion and a bunch of other artistic creative stuff in the creative corridor. DJ Willie Shakes, who will be in the corridor with doing media and stuff as well. QL Amin and his brother, uh, Khalif. He went to King. <laughs> there you go. You got one. <laughs> you got one in there. No, he went to King. And uh, they'll be doing Yes in there as well. We'll have a grocery store in there as well. And Khalif will be doing Core Fitness as well. Well, we have a sports complex. Uh, it'll be 197 residential units as well. So uh, we build in a community. And I just uh, wanted to say that one more time. Shout that out one more time. Shouts out to Alderman Russell Stamper as well, because he was extremely, extremely, extremely supportive in helping us um, secure a lot of the financing that we needed in order to pull this project off. And shouts out to Dame as well. We, all right, Mr. Nitty. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to getting a tour of the space as it's getting improved and all of that good stuff. Let's do it, man. Y'all got to record a podcast in there so I could just be in the background like, I like her! You <laughs> <laughs> should just get your voice on there so we can start paying you for licensing, and we should just play it on the show before we record it. No, let's do it. I'm with it. <laughs> Sweet. Make sure you send us an uh, instrumental for this uh, episode. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So thanks for listening to Black Imagination with Antoine and Kanita. Black Imagination is a part of the Imagine MKE podcast. Share a positive review. It really helps people find us. Also, be sure to email us at pod at imaginemke. Don't forget to like us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under Imagine underscore MKE. Anything else you'd like to mention, Kanita? You can also find us on Facebook at Imagine MKE. So, uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you on the next show. All right. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day.